WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Well, today is Monday, the 28th of March. Time right now, 8.15. You're tuned to WGNS Murfreesboro. And with us this morning from the Rutherford County Schools, we have James Evans and also Grayson Maxwell. And uh, James Grayson is uh, new to the schools, right? Yeah, he joined us in January. And I'll let him tell you a little bit about his background. (laughs) Yeah, so I spent a couple years teaching in Nashville um, and then just got really excited about this opportunity uh, I love writing, so I thought this would be a really great fit for me. Love kind of meeting new people, seeing what they're about, hearing their stories. So I'm excited. And a lot of what you do will be uh, kind of like reporting. I, I mean, you're reporting different stories from the county school system. Uh, James, kind of give us an idea of what types of stories you guys you know write every single day. So we do a variety of stories, of course. Uh, one would be general announcements about things happening within the schools. We also try to do... Uh, feature stories about what's happening in the classrooms, opportunities for students and things like that. Uh, what's great with Grayson is that he's kind of a jack of all trades. And so uh, he is very creative and has come up with some different ways of doing those storytellings. We, in the past, had a podcast, and he was really excited about relaunching that and has been working and editing and learning new skills in order to do that. We've already, or he's already completed a couple of different podcast episodes, and we have a third one coming up next week. I'm curious, do other county school systems or city school systems across the country, do they ever call on you guys and say, you know, we noticed y'all did a story on this. How do y'all go about doing this? Because not every mm-hmm. school system does what our school system does yeah it's it's more um it's becoming more common uh as you know kind of the media world is shrinking somewhat there are fewer reporters in newsrooms and things like that and so a lot of different organizations including school systems for years have been hiring people to help tell those stories and so we do have a statewide group uh, that's called the tennessee association of school um or Tennessee School uh, Public Relations Association. Mm-hmm. That's right. They changed the name recently. And uh, we actually had a state conference a few weeks ago, and we sit around and, and discuss those kinds of ideas, not only about telling stories, but also how to how to get information to people like parents to empower them mm-hmm. so that they know how to help their kids in school or, or how to seek help. And so that's something that a lot of school districts are talking about these days. And when you look at the number of students combined with the number of staff, the number of teachers and everything, it's kind of like, an entire city. I mean, you're talking about how many thousand kids and then how many thousand employees? So we have 49,300 students. Uh, that's a round number, but it's pretty close to that. And then we have about 5,800 employees. I think that we're the second largest employer now behind Nissan and or Yates, uh, you know, that combination there. That's wild. Um, and when I started 18 years ago, we had about 29,000 students. So in that time, we have grown basically 20,000 students. It's it's hard to imagine Rutherford County growing that big, that fast, but I mean, it, it's definitely happened. I remember when MTSU hit 25,000 students about maybe 15 years ago, and it became like the largest undergrad enrolled university in the state, and now we're twice that size as a K-12 system. And when you're looking at a system that large, You've got good stories, you've got bad stories, you've got a little bit of everything there. And on the negative side of it, getting 
messages out to parents during times of disaster, during times of, you know, things that may be scary going on within a school, uh, the county school system, they, they're able to do that very quickly. What, what do you all do? Well, and so that's the way that you respond to negative situations or, or crisis situations is, it, to me is just as important as how you get out your good news. So if there's something wrong that happens on campus, whether it be, a, I don't know, a gun or intruder or something like that, uh, I think our principals all agree that's that's important that we keep parents informed and let them know the procedures that we used and because we do train for those kinds of things and let them know that they're part of that puzzle that we want to keep them informed as soon as we can you know once those kinds of things happen hey, and I know one of the first things that does occur is usually a, a recorded phone call that goes out to parents how do you go about keeping up that that database of phone numbers because it's got to be changing constantly. Well, that's a good question. So our student information system, which is called Skyward, a lot of parents know that because that's how they check their kids' grades. Our phone system, our, our notification system, pulls the data every night from that system. They feed each other. And so as new inf- new students are enrolled or ch- numbers are updated or changed, every evening that da- database updates. And so, uh, I mean, we do have parents who call and say, I didn't get the message, and so we'll go and double-check their contact information. But for the most part, uh, it's it's a daily update. Are the students getting these recorded messages, too? Like, for example, whenever school is called out because of snow? Uh, no, those go directly to parents. And, then of course, we also do uh, – It's we use a program called School Messenger, which I don't know how we ever got along without School Messenger. We've been using it since, like, 08. But there were a few years that I was here that we did not have that system. I don't know how I did it back then. But – um, not only do we use school messenger to do the phone calls and the emails, we also use all of our other communications channels, which would be, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the website, the news media, the traditional news media, um, all those ways of putting out the information that, so that someone, it's kind of like Burger King, you can get it your own way. You're going to see it one way or another. So that's the goal is to whichever channel you like to use, that's how you're going to get it. And I guess email these days, that's one of those things that a lot of parents probably overlook whenever they get new emails because you get so many today. Yeah, and we'll be launching text messages this summer as well. Text messaging is a little different because there's some federal rules about how you can send because they, you know, spamming people on text messages is not permitted um, or you have to give them a way to stop it at least. And But we do have the ability to use text messages and so we're going to launch a campaign this summer to let parents know we are using text messages. Here's how you opt out if you don't want to receive them. But I think some people prefer te- texting over anything else because it's less intrusive than maybe a phone call. And if a situation is, is for one specific school, then how do you go about uh, you know, sending out just to that school? Is the database as simple as typing in Riverdale High School? Uh, something like that. So we have different lists set up, but, uh, but on the fly, if we needed to notify only three schools or only a certain grade level within a school, we can do that as we're setting up the message. You can tell it which grades to send it to, at which school, and so on. There's different fields you can kind of select to choose that. Now, again, one of the things that uh, Grayson has brought, I guess, back to the county schools as far as news and information goes, uh, a podcast. Yeah, so uh, Grayson, tell us a little bit about why you're excited about the podcast and what our plan is for that. Right, so I think one of the great things about the podcast is you really get a chance to take parents inside the classroom and you get to talk to people that maybe like a traditional news story wouldn't really work for. So for example, our first two episodes, uh, I kind of shadowed these three boys who were in a journalism class at Rockville High uh, and they got to interview a World War II veteran who is also the oldest alumni of Rockville High and it was just a really cool process and experience to see them go 
from here are the questions we want to ask, you know, giving him his first phone call, and then carrying out the interview. So all that is kind of contained in the first two episodes. And do you have an actual recording studio, or where do you where do you record these, or do you actually just do it like at the school or wherever you're going? Yeah, just in the field, and I've got my little snowball mic and a laptop, and I just go for it there. So what what types of stories are you uh, foreseeing in the future? Mm-hmm. So I know our next interview is going to be with uh, the young man who wrote, self-published a book um, at Laverne High, um, Chris Stedman. That's right. And then after that, we're looking at maybe some ACT prep um, and then also uh, looking into school safety. Yeah, and so with Chris Stedman, he he self-published a book a few weeks ago. Well, we learned about it a few weeks ago. It may have been a little earlier than that. And we decided to put out what's known as a brief just to let people know that he had this book out there. And when we did that, uh, I was actually driving around town, from, come back from a school, and my wife texted me and said, hey, I just bought that book. And I didn't know what she was talking about. And I called her and said, what book? And she said, the one that you guys just put on Facebook, the student book. And so she had already ordered it. And when I got back to the, hmm. to the office, Grayson said, you've got to see our numbers on social media. This guy's post is just blowing up. And I think we had a half a million views. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, and so we're like, we need to interview this guy for the podcast. And it was so great to hear him because uh, he's a graduating senior. He just turned 18. Um, he didn't used to have any sort of, w- uh, you know, wish to do books and be an author. But he had a teacher who said, who gave him a book a few years ago. He read it and then he started writing on his own. And now he can't stop. He said he has to not write during the week because he won't go to sleep. Yeah. And so he has to pace himself. And so to hear someone who's like found their calling and is just that excited, it was amazing to watch. And we captured that during the interview. So we're, we're excited to share that with the podcast. You know, when you have a system of 49,000 plus students, you've got all different, you know, creativity levels. I mean, they're students from all sorts of backgrounds right and then when we're going to we're going to do the act one here in a few weeks and what we're really aiming to do is we want to make sure that student voices are heard so that students can hear from their their peers and so with the act we're going to have someone on the podcast who talks about she's kind of our act guru but we also have got some kids lined up some students lined up who've already received a perfect 36 on the act and we're going to have them kind of talk about how did they do that and what tips do they have for other students and talk about those things so that others can maybe benefit from that. You know, as time goes on, it seems like there's a percentage of school students out there who are getting so much smarter than, you know, 10, 20 years ago. I mean, you're talking a perfect 36 score. That was almost unheard of 10 years ago. I mean, this is, it's wild to think of. Well, it's not just Central Magnet, but Central Magnet now Mm -hmm. has a wall of students that's their 36 club, and they they get their picture on the wall if they get a 36, and that wall is growing. I was talking to Dr. Ash, and he said they're running out of space for some of these awards, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. You know, I I like to tell people, you know, I went to Central. (laughs) They don't realize it used to be just a middle school. Yeah, and there are some other students at other high schools that are doing it as well. I think there's a concentration maybe at Central, but there's some other schools, too, who've had some students who have hit that perfect score, and it's just great because there are universities, I think, University of Alabama is one of them that gives a full ride if you have a 36. You get a 36 and you're in. So it opens up a lot of doors for these students. Now, there are different rating systems out there who rate schools all across the country. And and Central has been one of those that has come in in the top five, I would say, over the last I don't know, five or six years, right? Yeah, they've been juggling for the top spot in the state, but I think usually them and Hume Fogg, uh, one or two for the last three or four years, the the U.S. News and World Report rankings. But then uh, they've also hit the national rankings, too, as you mentioned. They're usually in the top five or six, something like that. 
But we also had this year some other rankings that came out, and uh, McFadden got a ranking, Thurman Francis got ranked, uh, Campus School got ranked. So it's it's we're fortunate to have that many high caliber schools in our county, and I mean you really can't get a bad education whether it's city or county, they're all pretty great here. In Rutherford County, there are so many students who really excel at education, what they're doing, their grades, everything, and they get into some top universities. What are some of the the top universities that you have heard about in the last couple of years of students getting into from this area? So Laverne High School, I'm going to brag on them for a little bit because they have the new early college program for Motlow, uh, and so students are actually graduating uh, with their associate's degree, usually the weekend before they actually get their diploma at graduation for high school, which is pretty amazing to get your first, you know, advanced degree before you have your high school diploma. Sure. And we're this uh, this summer we're, or this spring we're going to have our 100th graduate of that program. We just announced that Friday with Montlow. Uh, but there were three kids last year. I keep saying kids, right. students. They would kill me to call them kids, but students at that school last year and. Uh, the principal reached out and said, hey, we have one that's been accepted to Yale. And I said, well, that's pretty neat. And then she called me the next day and said, okay, we have one that's been accepted to Princeton. And then when I got there to interview those two students, she said, oh, we have a third one. He got in, He got into NYU. And they were all three in that program. So they're not just getting their associate's degree, but it's that jumping off point. Mm-hmm. And so to have two Ivy Leagues, and NYU is not an Ivy League, but it's still a top-notch school, to have that many kids in one school getting those kinds of um, – placements is pretty neat and central has some oakland has some it's just all of them are getting to some of these things that maybe not were not as common in the past in rutherford county but but this was three at laverne high school right, right absolutely. one princeton one nyu what was the other one uh nyu princeton and yale That's and so wild. and they uh they all interviewed with me together and it was it was just exciting to see like one of them had never been in new york uh had, you know had never been to jersey to see princeton and so on but they had applied and been accepted and they were getting ready to make their travel plans and they were so excited so these students never been there never been to new york but yet they got accepted to this to nyu mm-hmm. and and that's you know classes are in the heart of new york city there it, right it's, absolutely it's got to be it's going to be a change for sure yeah mm-hmm. sure. that's pretty cool so, and, and they were they were just so excited just to you know you could see it like they were they were trying to figure out what could they pack, what should they pack, or whether they're taking a car, those kinds of things. It's just all those things you go through when you're going to school, but they're going to like basically a far-off land. They've never been there before. That's pretty neat. Again, this morning we're talking about the Rutherford County School System. James Evans in studio with us, along with Grayson Maxwell. We're going to take a short break, and we're also going to be talking with Leland Statham from News Channel 5 to get a look at the weather for this week and more in just a minute. So make sure you stay with us. Time right now, 829. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. Come see us at Animal City. Here at Animal City, we carry a full line of pet products to help your pets stay healthy, happy, and well, and to make your life a little easier. And whether you are looking for a favorite toy for your new pup or to start a garden pond, come see us at Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro's longest running and only family operated pet store. News time right now, 8.30. We're now headed to Leland Statham, News Channel 5. Leland, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing good. So what is the weather, first of all, looking like for today? And uh, what are we going to see this week? You know what? Today, not bad. Today, just kind of a, a, a cool spring day. Mix of sun and clouds. We'll push about 58 this afternoon. 
We're going to keep an eye out, though, for Wednesday. I think a large part of dayside Wednesday will be fine. But uh, going into Wednesday evening, a lot of rain and thunderstorms will move in, and some of those have the potential to be strong to severe. Ahead of that, it's going to be a windy day. So those winds may gust between 40 and 45 miles per hour during the day for us on Wednesday. But it's Wednesday evening into Wednesday night when we've got to stay weather aware. Definitely so. Again, Leland Statham with us, News Channel 5. And uh, you started there back in 1993 or so. You've been doing this for quite a while. <laughs> been here for a minute, that, that is for sure. I came here in May of 93. Uh, for those who may remember that, I actually came in to do weekend. So at that point, it was uh, just after we had started the weekend morning newscast. So we had one person for all of the weekend shows, morning and night. And then in late 99, I moved to the morning show. So what was that like doing the weekends? I mean, you had to get up, what, 3 a.m. or so? What time did you get in? Yeah, I would get in. At that point, the newscast started at 6 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday. So I would get in usually around 4.30 or so. Uh, I, I was a little bit used to it in the fact that just before that, I had started a weekend morning newscast in the Tri-City. So I was used to doing a weekend morning newscast, then turning around and coming back to do the evening shows. So what in the world made you want to get into weather, of all things? Yeah, I've always had this love for weather. When I originally went to, to UT Knoxville, I went to be a news anchor and a reporter, so that was always the dream. But I've always had this love for weather, going back to when I had a, a little crude weather center in my backyard, even at UT, I took a meteorology class thinking that somewhere along the way I might be a reporter slash weekend weather person somewhere. And, and the more I started doing the weather, the more I liked it. And so I went back and found a great program at Mississippi State that had, I don't know if it was the first, but had a, a distance learning program prior, prior to how we do it now with uh, just going online. They were sending me VHS tapes. Uh, to watch a lecture, so uh, to date myself there, but it allowed me to learn more about the weather and to, to make the jump to where I'm at today. Again, with us right now, Leland Statham, News Channel 5, Emmy Award-winning meteorologist. Uh, that That's pretty cool. Yeah, I have been blessed uh, here. I've actually just recently picked up my eighth Emmy. The uh, morning team won an Emmy for our year look back at the March tornadoes that we did on March 2nd of last year. So I've been honored uh, to win eight with the, uh, including the current team. And the first one goes back to when I won one with uh, Ron Howes and Charlie Neese for our coverage of uh, some of the tornadoes that moved through the area. And, and your background, you were born in Chicago, but raised in Dyersburg, Tennessee. That's quite the difference. <laughs> yeah, and the, what happened there, my mom and dad are both from Tennessee. And so they both grew up in Dyersburg. They were high school sweethearts. Mom and dad married, moved to Chicago. But when things soured, daddy stayed in Chicago. Mama came back home. And so that's how I ended up uh, being raised over in West Tennessee. was in Dyersburg until I left to go to UT in uh, 82. Cool. And, and again, Leland, what are we looking at for the forecast for this week? One more time as we close this morning. All right, so for today, look for a high near 60 with a mix of sun and clouds. Wind's not bad. North, northeast at around 5, maybe 5 to 10. Tomorrow, we warm up, so we're going to hit 78 tomorrow. 
I think most folks will be dry, but it will start to pick up wind-wise tomorrow afternoon. Late in the day, tomorrow night, wind gusting to 25. But it's Wednesday when those winds are going to gust 40 to 50 miles per hour, even outside of thunderstorms, and we need everybody to be weather-aware going into late Wednesday and Wednesday night when this line of showers and storms will roll through. Ahead of the rain, 82 on Wednesday afternoon, back into the 60s, though, by Thursday. Man, at 82 degrees. We, we saw quite a bit of wind this past weekend, so sounds like uh, more of that, but even more so Wednesday, right? That's what you're saying. Uh, yeah, more so Wednesday, and batten down the hatches. If you've got spring decorations out, Easter decorations out, make sure that they're taken care of on Wednesday. Sounds good. Again, Leland Statham with News Channel 5. Leland, thank you for joining us this morning. Hey, you're welcome so much, and hope everybody down your way has a fantastic day and week. Time right now, 8.35. You're listening to WGNS. Stay with us. We're going to talk more about the Rutherford County School System when we come back. Again, time right now, 8.35. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. We're talking with Glenn King and you're a World War II veteran. During World War II, it's different than any of the other wars that we've had since. The youth of America couldn't wait until they're old enough to enlist in the armed forces. And the war was coming to an end, and I dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. How old were you when you actually enlisted? Barely 17. You also served in Korea as well. The big thing that I remember during the Korean War, I was assigned to a Marine Corps fighter squadron, VMF-144. There were two very important people there that were left over from World War II. They thought there would never be another war, so after the war ended, since they were pilots, they would stay in the reserve and once a month have a lot of fun flying the fighter planes around. They were two baseball players. One was Jerry Coleman, and then the other one was Ted Williams. You got to meet Ted Williams. Yes. What, what was he like? Very personal. You know, he was an officer and I was enlisted, so we didn't get to mingle with each other. Ted Williams was a fighter pilot in World War II. During the Korean War, Ted Williams was the wingman for John Glenn. This has been a Salute to Veterans on WGNS Radio. Coming soon, a brand new listening experience. Local host, local guest, talking all things Rutherford County. The Roundtable. You'll hear it soon, weekdays, 9 to 10 a.m. on News Radio WGNS. Five Star Building Solutions, Tennessee's leading commercial cleaning service, professional disinfecting and fogging services. Visit BuyStarBuildingSolutions.com to learn how Star can clean and sanitize your office or church today. Again, BuyStarBuildingSolutions.com. Coming soon, a brand new listening experience. Local host, local guest. Talking all things Rutherford County. The Roundtable. You'll hear it soon, weekdays, 9 to 10 a.m., on News Radio WGNS. 
I'm Payne Hardison, and I'm a resident here at Adams Place. I'm here for improvement of my right leg. The food, the company, the exercise, and everything is tremendous here, and it's just a house full of friends. It's a way for a person that needs treatment and needs care to lift that burden off of their family and to come here at Adams Place and thoroughly enjoy every day. I'm Storm 5 meteorologist Bree Smith. You want to hear what my favorite weather sounds like? Calm. But calm doesn't always happen in Murfreesboro, does it? Murfreesboro and Rutherford County have seen more than their fair share of severe weather. So when storms roll in, I want you to be ready to feel safe. Let the Storm 5 weather team protect you and your family. Murfreesboro, you're always on our radar. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. News time right now, 8.39. You're listening to WGNS again on this Monday, today, the 28th of March. And in studio with us this morning, we have James Evans and Grayson Maxwell from the Rutherford County Schools talking a little bit about different news stories, putting together news stories, podcasts, all of that stuff within the county school system and making sure that parents are aware of everything happening within the schools. That's got to be tough to keep up with. It is. And, uh, you know, it's just technology makes things easier, but also people want want information instantaneously. And it's a little sometimes a little hard to do that just depending on the situation. It takes time to program messages and things like that. But we've gotten pretty good at getting the word out and then just knowing when is too much or when is not enough and trying to find that balance. And there are other things going on within the schools, such as uh, the building program. And then also there's going to be a county school board meeting, I guess specially called meeting today at 10 a.m. Uh, what What is that going to cover today? So, yeah, at the last school board meeting, our director announced to the board that, that he would be willing to renegotiate his contract or discuss his contract if they wanted to do that. And so they have called a special called meeting this morning. It's at 10 a.m. It will be televised like our board meetings are. Uh, it's on YouTube and things like that. Um, and they're going to be discussing his contract and going from there. And so I guess we'll find out here in a, in a couple of hours what that means. And is it on YouTube Live? Is it on Facebook Live? Where, 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 I know you said the, the, what, the county TV channel, but also it's online. Yeah, so RCTV is Comcast Channel 19. That's the department here. But they also live stream it on YouTube. And we always tweet out and Facebook out that you don't, um, that microphone. You don't like it, do you? I, apparently, my <laughs> thumb. I just keep catching it this morning. Um, but we put the link out on our Facebook channel and our YouTube channel so people can find it easily. It'll be out about ten minutes before the meeting starts. So if you follow us, you'll see the link there. No, I don't know how long has the current director been in his position. How long has he been there? Uh, Mr. Spurlock's been in there for this is his fourth year. He's been in the position for four years. He's been with the school system though for many years. You know, longtime principal at Oakland High School did great things there and then he served as an assistant principal at Riverdale and then some other places so so the specially called meeting 10 a.m. today it will be online people can watch it online but it's in regards to uh, renegotiating his contract and and I guess they're gonna figure out what steps are gonna take and and how they're gonna go about doing that yeah absolutely so they're they're just gonna discuss the contract in the future so and then one of the other items, and this is one that folks are always interested in, the county schools, their building program, what new schools are to come, where they're going to be located. 
Tell us a little bit more about that, and does the school does the school system already have property for future schools? Sure. So uh, people are always curious about building, whether it's a new restaurant or a new neighborhood. Of course, we're used to that in Rutherford County. Uh, same thing with schools. They want to know when the next school is coming on or the new addition. Uh, just people may not understand this, but during the pandemic, that first year of the pandemic, we um, we didn't stop growing as far as new students, but it was much slower that year. But then this past year, the second year of the pandemic, it came roaring back. We had 1,800 new students, which is, to my memory, a record in one year of growth. Um, most of your elementary and middle schools hold 1,000 students. That's what they're built for. So we basically grew by two schools over these past two years, and that's that's not uncommon to grow by a school. So what that means is that we have to build schools or add on to facilities. The problem, though, is that it's never just in one spot. It's all over the county. So I was at Eagleville um, a, a couple weeks ago to interview a student, and I noticed that new neighborhood right across the street from the school, and I was like, wow, I didn't even know that was coming up out here. But that, that's I should stop being surprised because we're seeing that everywhere. But to answer your question, the school board – is working with the county commission right now on a two to three year building plan that will be hopefully adding additions to several high schools because we're seeing high schools all over the city area and in, in Smyrna that are needing additional space. And then they're also looking to add on at Stewart's Creek Elementary uh, and those sorts of things because this growth is happening, like I said, not just in one place, but in several. So they're looking at Oakland and at Riverdale. Uh, they've looked at... Um, Blackman and I believe Stewart's Creek are all looking at getting additions. It's wild how the community is growing and I know I mentioned that when you first came on the air but for folks who have not lived here for let's say 15 years 20 years or longer they have not seen the growth the same as those who you know grew up here because a lot of people moved here after a lot of the growth has already happened. Yeah and it's kind of uh, sometimes it's ironic you'll get a call from someone that says what are you guys doing about this growth to slow it down? And I'm like, oh, how long have you lived here? Oh, we moved here last year from Nashville. And we're like, well, you're, you're part of that growth. And I mean, just like everyone else, this is a very popular county because it's close to lots of things. We have access to 840 and, um, you know, Nashville. And the it, at least for now, the land prices are relatively affordable. It's getting crazy. But, you know, it, you know, it's a good place to live. we got a lot of things to offer. Good school system, of course. Um, and so it's just uh, it's a very popular place to move right now. When you look at houses all throughout the county, let's say the Blackman area or maybe the Rockville area, a house that could be purchased for, let's say, four hundred to $500,000 just a few years ago is now selling for seven hundred and fifty to $900,000. <laughs> I mean, the, the difference is huge from where we were to where we've come. So my wife and I had this uh, dream uh, fantasy that we want to buy a larger truck and an Airstream and just travel the country. And so when our house hits a million dollars worth of value, that's going to happen. <laughs> but I thought it used to be crazy, but you know, it's not that crazy anymore. We're seeing things go for, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars more than they were five years ago. And things are selling for over the asking price when it comes to homes. Yeah. And uh, people are giving away. I mean, I have friends who are real estate agents. There are people that are, are making it sweeter by giving away cars when oh, they wow. sell. It's just it's like bidding wars now. And it's it is difficult for people who are looking to move here who are not used to a market that's that volatile. Um, especially I, I have a family member who's trying to move here from another state and he can't believe the values and the longer he waits the, the more expensive it gets definitely and in the eagleville area specifically a few years back they 
put in their first real sewer system so that folks are not building homes with uh, you know the, the septic tank anymore there's an actual real city sewer system now for Eagleville and we thought the growth was going to take off then but then it just kind of slowed and and COVID hit so we didn't see that growth spurt in Eagleville then but now all of a sudden you are talking about a lot of new homes in that area yeah and I drove through Chapel Hill a few weeks ago and I was I just I guess I'm getting older and start getting sentimental about things but I was wondering how long is it going to be before this quiet little town that I like to visit is going to become the next little boom town for a suburb of Nashville yeah, it's like uh, the College Grove area mm -hmm. that area has exploded with growth which yeah. is Williamson County but it's right next door to the Eagleville area. Absolutely, right. And uh, I mean, we keep hearing about it. It's just not unusual to hear about all these new neighborhoods coming on and things like that. And so from a school system, that makes it a challenge because we're constantly looking to have to build something. We're, we're need land right now in the 840-96 corridor. So if you have land that's suitable for building and you're willing to part with it, we are looking. So let us know. But it's getting harder for us to buy land because developers also want it for neighborhoods. I think the opening of Rockville High School really spurred on a whole lot of growth really between Rockville all the way out to 96, the Blackman area. That area right there in between that is one of the fastest growing areas. Yeah, Armstrong Valley Road used to be like out in the country. I'm sure you know that. Yeah. And now when I drive out there, it's the edge of the city. It's still the edge, but it's uh, it's not. It feels a lot closer than it used to be. And I think that that more people are realizing those kinds of things because the the area is just growing so quickly. But Rockville is a great example of we opened that school about three years ago. It was under capacity then, and now within three years, we've had to move 13 portable classrooms in. And when we did that earlier this year. Parents are like, what are you doing? This is a brand new school. And it's like, we are out of space, brick and mortar space. And now we're already having to, that's why we have to add on these other high schools and maybe shift some things around over the next couple of years once those are built. Because those, if you want to know where the next neighborhood's going to be, just wait until we open a school. So where do you see the next school being built or, or are there already plans on the drawing board to go ahead and start another school? I think the board's focused on additions next, so there's going to be second, that way they can hit multiple areas and and add on to existing facilities. But we do own land um, out at Plainview. Uh, we already have an elementary school there. There will eventually be a middle school. We own land at, at Buchanan for eventual eventually another high school, and we own land out in Walter Hill across from the existing Walter Hill Elementary that can be used for a middle school and a high school. But those are just where we already have the land. Uh, the board has to prioritize which areas need that. And they review that. We used to be annually, but it feels like now it's about every six months we have to review because things are building so quickly. So out there, Walter Hill area, for example, it, the property the school owns, is it... Uh, off of 231 or is it off of Jefferson Pike? Where is it out there? It's kind of in that corner. If you go past the elementary school, like you're going to Lebanon or uh, Cedars of Lebanon, it's going to be on your right. It's uh, the Matthews property is what they call it, but that's the family that we bought it from. So that's right there on that county line. I mean, it's, it's so close to being in Wilson County almost. Yeah, but go out there and try to buy a house. I mean, those, that area is booming out there as well. And where else are we going to see more growth for actual schools being built? Because I know you mentioned Plainview, where an elementary school just opened. Yeah, so your 24-840 corridor is where your popular areas are because it's easier for commuters to get to Nashville. So uh, 840, like as you, as you mentioned, College, Ro College Grove is just off of 840. Uh, so Veterans Parkway, all that area, that's where we're looking to buy some land. It's either The land we found is either unsuitable for building because it's too rocky or won't support a, you know, a, a sewage system. Uh, or it's too expensive or it's just not available. Um, 
And then, of course, Plainview, which Buchanan Road used to be, you know, Epps Mill Road used to be far out. And I guess it still is the edge of Murfreesboro, but it won't be long. You, you mark it on your calendar. One day that will feel just like any other part of the city. And what schools are going to be the first where the new additions come into play? That's what they're prioritizing now. That They haven't completely decided that. Uh, they're looking at adding on at Riverdale and Oakland. Uh, I said Stewart's Creek earlier, but I believe it's actually Smyrna High and then Blackman. All of those schools are in need of something because they're booming, um, but they have not decided which one will be yet. That's what they're negotiating now with the county commission because the commission has a tough job too. That We need these additions, but we also have to pay for them without hopefully raising taxes, and so that's what they try to balance. On Highway 96, as you head towards the Franklin area and get closer to Triune, that small community out there, is there a chance or an opportunity to buy land a little bit further out that direction? We've looked at everything. So some on the edge of the county, some a little closer to town, and we just have not found that piece of land yet that's for sale. But we're, we're optimistic that we will find something. But, yeah, we're looking at all options. When, when someone mentions land in that area, the board goes out and looks at it. So they're, they're out there actively looking, I mean, all the time, it sounds like. Yeah, and there have been times that we thought we had a piece, and we do some geologic testing to make sure that we're building land that can support a structure that large and those kinds of things. And then the test results come back, and it's not suitable. Just like when you're trying to build a house in the country, you have to make sure that things perk and that you know things are you know not too much clay, not too much rock, all those things. You have to, have to, it has to be analyzed to make sure that it can support a stru structure and it's a good investment for the county moving out towards las casas i think that is one of those areas that has not grown as fast but there are new neighborhoods out there but rock in that area i'm sure is an issue is the county looking at any future school in las casas uh, they have not announced plans for las casas but the walter hill property is not too far from there so when you consider jefferson pike and some of those areas there is a way you know it kind of connects into that area so it could affect that area when they open those schools but again we're talking a few years away and when you go to add on to schools i mean i know that's an expensive project just like the cost of building a new school because construction costs are up sure uh elementary school is about 40 million right now middle school is 50 to 60 and then a high school is 75 and up because of just the size and all the facilities you build along with that you know a lot of our high schools now because of those programs we talked about earlier they're more like small college campuses than they are the high schools of when we were younger. And of course, Rutherford County is forecasted to have around 500,000 folks here living here within the next, I think, 10 to 15 years or so, which is hard to believe. Yeah, my wife is from Kansas, and so she always likes to talk about Wichita being this, you know, metropolis city. But our county now is almost as large as the city of Wichita, which is incredible, um, especially when people who have lived here forever. I'm not a homegrown, uh, but I've been here for about 25 years. And it's just amazing to see how much growth. I live off of uh, Thompson Road, Thompson Lane. Uh, and that used to be way out in the middle of nowhere. That's where all the Seagull schools are now. And, you know, uh, it's just, it's booming out there. Just, I, I guess it's a, I sound like a broken record, but just all these places that used to be rural are no longer rural. The, they're, they're disappearing to, before businesses and, and homes. And, and of course, Thompson Lane, they're about to widen that roadway over the next five years. And that's going to be a big project. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the end result. But that, that five-year gap when they're going to have to, you know, build a new bridge and everything's going to be messed up, that's going to be a mess. But just like it was here when you have the bridge over broad, once it's done, it's very beneficial. But it's 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 hard to get it, you know, it's a, it's those growing pains are hard to navigate sometimes. And, and the more and more we do grow, you know, properties that were once rural become commercial properties, which increase the price greatly. 
And that's got to be a burden for the county schools because land is getting so expensive. Yeah, I mean, if you try to, in a residential area, if you try to buy an acre of land, it's $100,000 easily. So if you multiply that by the 100,000 acres that we need to build a school complex, it, it gets very expensive. Again and, with us this morning, James Evans and Grayson Maxwell from the county schools. And I didn't mean to interrupt you there. What? Well, I was just going to say staffing is the other issue we're having, just like everyone's having issue with hiring people. That growth also means we need more nurses, we need more EAs, we need custodians and cafeteria workers and teachers. And so we are spending a lot of our efforts too on just, we're, we're competing with every other school district in this area for those same people. And as far as nurses go, are there one or two nurses at every school, every high school? What are you looking at? I think we have around 50 nurses now and some of them rotate around the different buildings. It just depends on some, what are the specific needs of certain students? So if there's a student that needs a nurse there full time, we have to make sure there's a nurse there. And so it kind of depends on year to year what your student makeup is and what their special needs might be, their health needs. And then teachers, you're always hiring new teachers. That is an ongoing need. You have teachers, well, I guess a lot who retired during the whole COVID pandemic. Um, probably some retired earlier than county schools actually expected. Yeah, I would think that the pandemic, if you were on the fence about whether to retire, the pandemic probably helped you make that decision. So uh, I think you're right. We saw a lot of people who decided to go ahead and this is time for me to, to enjoy myself and retire early or retire sooner than I thought. But we are doing things like we've already had a virtual job fair this year, but we also have an in-person job fair coming up at the very end of the year. You're going to hear more about that. Uh, where we're just still trying to bring those candidates in. We're signing preliminary contracts on the spot. There are signing bonuses for uh, hard to fill areas, all those kinds of things. And um, you know, our salary here is higher than that in Williamson County. And we're proud of that. And so uh, we're just trying to attract the best candidates for our students. So in looking at all the school systems across the state, state of Tennessee, uh, who has the highest paying school system right now? I think that your urban areas um, maybe metro in shelby county which is memphis they tend to have higher salaries because they're also trying to attract people uh, teachers tend to want to work more in the suburban counties but they're also trying to attract those candidates to them so they have some of the highest uh, but then you know there are trade-offs for that as well of course i know i was looking at the uh, child well-being report that came out recently and it it gave the school suspension rate for each county and it was interesting to see which counties had the higher suspension rates and i know actually nashville davidson county they had one of the higher school suspension rates per student and i i don't remember where rutherford county stood in that whole mix but that was an interesting number to look at because you don't think about that a lot yeah it's 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 a hard thing to talk about i'm not sure that i'm not familiar with that specific report but i do know that um there may be more challenges with some different graphic situations because of poverty and things like that in your urban areas but then there's also their children and uh just like we've seen in some of our lower income schools, they all have, like every parent wants their child to succeed. I don't care if they're from a wealthy family or a low income family. And so what you do there is try to put in those support systems to help those families who maybe they can't help do homework at night because mom's working two jobs. So we help with doing things at school and I think other counties are doing that as well. So when you hear people say, oh, they don't have a homework policy, that's that's a shame. Well, there's a reason that we don't do a homework policy because kids can't do it at home. So we try to build that into the school day and give them the support they need to be successful. And that's what some of your more urban counties are doing as well. And, and then I guess, you know, well, each school system is ran differently too. I, I mean, you got to put that into the mix. So there's all these different factors that go into that. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to compare us to Nashville because 
they're, it's not an apples to apples comparison. They're dealing with things that, that we don't deal with here just because they are the state capital and there's, you know, it's a very popular area. The, they, they probably serve a lot more languages than we do, although I bet you would be surprised. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Scott to guess this morning. How many languages would you guess that we serve in Rutherford County? You know, it's a good question because we're kind of like that melting pot. We've got so many corporate offices and businesses from all over the place. Uh, 20? <laughs> we serve over 100 languages. Over 100 county. languages. Yeah, now, wow. our primary languages, of course, are English, Spanish, and Arabic, but we also have, we contract out services because we do have, we have Japanese students here. You know, all sort. a lot of people are coming from the Southeast Asia area moving here, the Karen area of Asia, and so there's there's uh, some different languages and dialects there. But, yeah, 100 languages that we serve. So I can't even imagine how many that Nashville serves. That's wild to even think about. Hey, I wonder what the number is in Nashville. That, that's a good question. If now. it's 100 here, I, it's got to be 150 in Nashville. It's got to be. That's wild. Again, with us this morning, James Evans and Grayson Maxwell from the Rutherford County Schools. And thank you both for joining us today. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thanks. Time right now, 8.59. Stay with us. Local news and national news comes your way next. All right. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank. 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.